Hi, everyone. Welcome to Speech Goods, a podcast where we showcase awesome SLPs doing awesome traditional and non-traditional SLP things. Myself and the guests on this show are here to talk about the goods, the bads, and the untamable parts of ourselves and our SLP careers, and how, despite the challenges of everyday life, have just done the dang thing, loving what we do. I'm your host, Danny Augustine. I went from burnt out, dissatisfied with my SLP job, to dusting off my big girl pants, sprinkling some determination in my 20 cent coffee, and starting my own debt-free private practice. Now, I love my working career and wouldn't trade it for anything else. It was support and wisdom from others around me that helped me refine my why. In this show, I hope you find support and wisdom of your own. Hello, and welcome to Speech Goods, a show where we talk about business, money, mindset, private practice, all within the realm of the speech and language pathology field. I am your host, financial enthusiast, and fellow speech-language pathologist, Danny Augustine. In today's interview, you're going to get to hear from an amazing woman, Ayelet Marinovich, M-A-C-C-C-S-L-P. Ayelet is a pediatric speech-language pathologist, parent educator, singer, and imperfect mother based in the San Francisco Bay Area. She's the founder and host of Learn With Less, where she provides families with the confidence to raise a great human from day one without having to buy a single toy. She's the creator of the Learn With Less Infant and Toddler Curriculum, the basis for which is outlined in her best-selling books, Understanding Your Baby and Understanding Your Toddler. Yes, like this lady just does all the things. She's amazing. She served thousands of families through her online and in-person programs using her Learn With Less curriculum. She's trained licensed facilitators to serve countless more families all over the world. Her current passions include spending time with her family, dismantling the baby industry. Man, I just love that, right? And creating communities of support for families of young children with infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. So in this interview today, you're going to get to hear like the whole realm and gambit of all of the things. We talk about how she went from being a theater major to a speech language pathologist. She talks about the idea of repotting yourself, which I just love. Like we're all little plants. I just love it. It's fabulous. She talks about how she used her one idea to spark her business and learning how to scale her business beyond herself. I know this is a topic that happens a lot within the speech language pathology field. For those of you who maybe want to start an SLP business, and it may not necessarily be a private practice, a big part of being successful with that is being able to scale your business so that you're not always having to be working in it all the time. So she gives some really, really, really amazing tips for that in this episode. Okay. Let's get to the interview. You're going to love Ayelet. Hello, 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 Ayelet. How are you doing today? I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Yes. So, so exciting. So excited to have you here. We just heard your wonderful bio. You're doing something super cool and super different in SLP, in the SLP space, and still like heavily utilizing your SLP skills and literally what we were trained to do, you're just doing it in your own way. So I'm super excited to have you on uh, and share a little bit about your journey and just how you kind of went down this, this path that like you very much made your own, which I like, like I'm like putting my <laughs> hands up for that. So I yell it, tell us a little bit about what makes you and your SLP journey unique. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it really is about when I, I came into this as 
I don't know if I would say a second career it was like the first actual career, <laughs> but the second, like in my like mid to late twenties is when I went back to grad school. I, I did a undergrad in theater and Russian literature. So that tells you a little bit about me and my own, like my, where I stand in my own social identities, the privileges I've had, all of those things, right? And I spent my early um, 20s living in New York and figuring out what I wanted to do and pursuing potentially a career in the performing arts and all of that. And then realizing after several years of holding down 17 jobs at a time, to pay exorbitant rent at, at that time, what was exorbitant rent of New York, which is at this point, like, you know, pennies. Um, I, um, I was like, oh no, I, I need to do something that is actually much more impactful and not about me, actually. Um, and so I, gosh, I mean, to, to begin with, like I, I, I started looking into fields that were uh, human service oriented and I considered social work, I considered early childhood education, I considered lots of different things. And it's so funny because I, I was working at a school as like an administrative assistant trying to figure stuff out. And the reading specialist was like, oh, you should, you should with your background and your interest in like storytelling and narratives and blah, blah, blah. Like you should look into language therapy. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a good what's, idea. What's that? <laughs> and I was like, and then, because this is how my mind works. I like take an idea and then I'm like, oh, I need to find out everything there is to know about that. So I started like Googling speech and language pathology and then talking to everybody's aunts who were a speech language pathologist and like realizing that I, oh, when I was like in elementary school, I actually did this like interesting volunteer project that I didn't even remember until I unearthed it later. And was like with all these kids who used AAC and like, it's like, oh yeah, like all of that was, is speech pathology. And like, it just, it was, it was the field that brought it all together for me, I had so many interests in things like child development, psychology, um, like I said, like just storytelling in general and like being with other humans. I'm like a very community oriented person. And when I found the field of speech pathology, I was like, oh, this is fascinating. Like this, this brings it all together. And I love the idea that I can work with this population now I can work with this population later. I can do, I can work in a hospital. I can work in the educational sector. I can be a private practice. I can do all of those things. My grandfather, when I was growing up had this phrase that he used, which was like, to, he believed in repotting yourself, which I just love that as like, as like a philosophy of what you can do in life, right? Like just because what's the point of being stagnant, right? And so I love the idea that in this field, there were so many directions that I could go um, and that I could potentially repot myself within a single field even um, over time and I wouldn't get stagnant. And so that is, <laughs> that's, my, that's my journey into speech language pathology. Um, and I guess, I don't know that that makes me unique, but that's the unique journey that I was on.
Yeah, I love the idea of repotting yourself. I was like jotting down, jotting that down in my little Google Doc that I keep while people are talking to me. Um, and I love that idea, repotting yourself and just sort of like, and that it's okay. And sometimes you you might need to repot yourself because maybe the pot you're in right now is too small or yeah. it's just not the right shape for you. Or maybe it used yeah. to be the right shape, but now it's not. And that's okay. Exactly. So I love that. So tell us about how you, so you went from like theater person to speech pathologist. <laughs> and how did you go from like, can you tell us about your journey towards starting your own business? Yeah. Um, I mean, that basically came out of having a baby. <laughs> um, they do things like that. They do those things. They, they make you re, uh, reassess all the things in your mm -hmm. brain um and my own my own uh experience was that my partner and I had um we'd gotten married we had I'd gotten pregnant and then he got a job um in London and so we moved to London and I you know applied for the like health council blah 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 thing to get my uh my license my you know american license transferred over to the royal college of speech and language therapists the and royal um, college yes right okay yeah this that is that is their version of asha it sounds very fancy that sounds way better than asha the no. royal i want to be a royal sop i'm sorry okay continue continue I no, it's, it's, we can continue like this all night long um anyway so so uh that took until I was literally 38 pre weeks pregnant and then and then I was licensed in the in the UK and I was like oh okay great okay um so I spent the bulk of my pregnancy my first pregnancy you know living in London figuring out what that would look like. What would it look like to be, what, what was the system that was in place there for pregnant people, birthing people, new parents, what, um, you know, what supports were in place for me? What could I access? And that was amazing. And, you know, actually quite different from it is what it is in the US. And, um, and I started just, you know, befriending other pregnant people, um, and birthing people. And it was, it was great. It was, um, it was a nice way to, you know, just create community, form a community. When I didn't know anybody, I was so far from, you know, any support system that I had, I didn't have any of my, you know, whole drawer full of SLP stuff, you know? Um, and then I had a baby and I was thinking, well, I had this idea while I was still pregnant that I wanted to bring together other um, new parents and caregivers and, and create a community of support for myself and also be able to share the kinds of information that I already knew, right? Because when I, had my child, I struggled with many of the things, all of the things that new parents um, tend to struggle with, right? All of those things about prioritizing your own needs and sleep deprivation and vulnerability about every single thing and feeling like that lack of confidence and just being so overwhelmed and anxious and exhausted. Um, 
you know, clinically and, and not clinically, but it was overwhelming. And I also knew that I had some knowledge that my, many of my fellow new parents around me were asking about, like, what the heck should I be doing with this tiny human? Um, how, like, and that, like, I don't feel, I don't know, what am I supposed to be doing with it? Do I have what I need? Um, and all of those feelings of, am I enough, right? I didn't, I knew that, that what I had and joint attention and eye gaze and holding my child and being there for my child and talking to my baby was enough. I, just because of my own experiences, my own knowledge base, having worked with many new parents in the past, um, I, I did not question that part. Um, and so I started thinking, well, it would be great to be able to support each other, right? Because we all come with our own knowledge base um, as, as we come into new parenthood. And, and we were all from all over the world as well, right? Like we were in this, this metropolitan area. So I, I started inviting other new parents and caregivers over to my home in the beginning and, um, and just hosting these sort of caregiver and baby style classes. And that was how it all began. Um, so it began as a grand experiment and just really a need for my own self, excuse me, that I needed right out of necessity for my own personal and personal emotional needs and professional brain, right? I could see that there was information that I could share that was useful. And then it was just about experimenting with form and um, starting to listen to what the questions were that people were asking and sharing what was relevant for all of us in those journeys. Um, and I found that it was super relevant and very helpful, both for myself as a facilitator of that kind of group and also for all of the different caregivers that were coming. Um, and over the next few years, I, it grew, I started renting a space. I was leading multiple classes each week with my child, which was really fun. Um, and it became just sort of a bigger thing. And then my, um, my husband and I left London and I knew that I wanted to continue doing it. Um, and so at that point I thought, well, what, what would work? How could that look? you know, and I wanted it to be, be bigger. Um, I had this, you know, totally big pie in the sky idea of, I could start an empire, it would be so fun, like having babies and parents and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then over time, that's kind of what I did. <laughs> so how long, so how, what was that time frame? Can you tell us that like from you, getting the idea because I know you said you kind of got the idea whenever you were pregnant with your first child yeah um like up until you leaving London like it, it sounds like in that time like you act you were doing more like physical in-person classes yeah mm -hmm. How, what was that time frame like was that just over like a couple years or was it over that was longer? over yeah two two and a half years two um years. as when we left London my son was just turning two and then we moved to Berlin for a year, to Berlin, Germany. And at that point, I was like, okay, well, I don't want, like, logistically and financially, I don't actually, I'm not ready to monetize this. 
because I was living outside of the UK, I mean, outside of the US, I didn't want to have to pay taxes in three different countries. That did not sound fun. Um, so I was like, well, let me see what happens. I'm going to experiment with form, right? So I had gone from these live, very local, very hyper-local caregiver and me style classes. And then I was like, well, what would happen if I started a podcast, right? So I started that podcast about two years into doing this um, in February of 2016. And that became a thing. I started, you know, figuring out what were the things that people wanted to know, what were the what had been the things that people definitely were asking about all the time? What was my expertise that I could share, the knowledge base that I had that um, I could really share with people in ways that was like simple, accessible, easy, playful, fun, um, that people could just, you know, grab a soundbite and listen to and be like, oh, I really learned something from this. And there's this voice coming from the internet ether that like, can help me and knows what I'm going through. And that's what I started hearing back from people right after those first few months of like, why isn't anyone downloading my podcast? Because <laughs> um, I didn't know anything about starting a podcast or an online business or anything like that, right? You just went um, for it. I just went for it. I literally, Danny, I literally Googled how to start a podcast and then did the thing, recorded it and then released it and was like waiting just waiting for the, waiting for the <laughs> listeners. Yes. How many downloads do I have today? Right. The, the thousands of people who will only two. What? Oh, mom, you already listened to that. Oh, okay. That's the worst. When you like, you see like a couple downloads and it's like, you told three friends about it and that's how many downloads you have. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. But did that discourage you at all? Just curious. Like how long did it take um, for the podcast to sort of get going? <laughs> I kept at it and then I started looking, you know, then I started researching, you know, how to build an audience, <laughs> how to build a following. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, I should probably figure that out, you know. So like it um, wasn't super, just like to clarify for the listeners. So you started yeah. a podcast, it wasn't like super, it wasn't going super well. So then you just were like, okay, I guess I, I just need to research more. Like that's I guess there's me. more information I need to know. Yeah, exactly. That's, What's that's the next so question I need to ask? Right. Yes, that's so, and I just want to highlight that for everybody. Like, of course, like Ayala is just like, oh yeah, like it just didn't work. And I just kept going. But I know that a lot of us as SLPs and our personality types, like we don't like to fail. We don't like to disappoint anyone. We don't like to be, we don't like to not do it right. And I think I just want to highlight that for probably everyone listening that like she, that you kept at it. Um, and this idea, especially like any, any form of entrepreneurship, whether you're trying to build a language baby helping empire, or you just want to start like an Etsy store and sell coffee mugs, like either way, you, you can't just see failure and then stop whenever you're starting something on entrepreneurship or building something like what's a, it's not a failure. It just means that you need to, like you said, like you need to get more information, you need to ask more questions or you need to change your approach. And I yeah. think people see people like, like you who you've built yeah. this cool thing and you like, Oh, I'm self-employed. I make my own schedule. Like, I think people see like all the cute Instagram posts are like, Oh, I want to do that. But they don't see that stuff beforehand where it's like no like I fell on my face quite a few times a lot 
Yeah. I just dusted myself off and said, all right, boo-boo, let's keep going. That's it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I mean, and it's really, it is also about building, figuring out what are the things out there that, I mean, because you don't want to reinvent the wheel every time. This, I knew I was not the first podcaster out there. I knew that I was not the first person with a blog and a website. So I started looking into like, where, where can I find resources? Where can I find help? Where can I find community? And what did I do? I don't know. I just started sharing, sharing the heck out of what I was doing, sharing it in groups, sharing it in, um, you know, blogging groups, sharing it in all kinds of places and just asking my friends and family to share what I was doing if they found it helpful. I would also share it with other colleagues like, hey, I have these episodes about, you know, what does it mean to like use the, you know, commun a communication temptation? What, what is it like, what happens when, like, why is it important to use music? Like, why is that beneficial to language? Like the questions that like I had asked and my friends had asked as new parents, listening to those people and what those questions were, and then coming up with content around those questions, right? Or those challenges, like that was, that's it, right? So creating the content that people want and need answers to, and then, you know, finding my own voice. Um, and that comes over time, but I, I felt like I could share who I was authentically because I had already been doing that publicly and because I do have a background in storytelling and narrative building and acting and all of those things. And I felt like that part of me was not hard to find, but I know that many people do. And many people struggle with like, well, there's already people talking about that same thing. Why am I going to create something? You know, who, why do people want to hear it from me? Well, we can get into that of course as well, but like you are, you're your own person. And I, I knew that, that I had a story to tell and, and that that could get, that could get told in only, you know, in a new form or with new um, examples around it. Or, you know, my early podcast episodes, for instance, are very much um, mimicking in certain ways, elements of my classes, right? I would use those kinds of elements of play and talk and sing and move that are essential to the learn with less curriculum um, and share with, with my audience, you know, however small it was, uh, those, those elements. And over time I, I discovered what that was and, and how to talk and how to talk about it in a way that people really resonated with. And a part of that, I feel like it sounds like that's exactly what you were doing. It's kind of experimenting. Like, first of all, like Absolutely. asking your audience, what do you want to hear? What do you want to see? Because a lot of those people, people want to tell you people, people like to share their opinion. Have you noticed that? People love telling their own story. Yeah. Yes, exactly. People <laughs> As love... a fellow podcaster, I have noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think like asking your audience, especially with this idea, like once you figured out that you needed to build an audience. Um, I think that's super, super smart. So, so Ayala, take us back. So you started this podcast. Um, it flopped a little bit in the beginning and then you were like, sure, let's try this again. You started sharing the poop out of your content. Um, and when, so when was this? Like, was this like what, like, like 
2016, 2017 that you did the podcast? 20, 2016. Yeah. Early 2016 was when I started it within the first few months. I started realizing that my numbers were pretty small and that I needed to have a plan of some kind. Okay. Um, okay. And so then I started, you know, using the Google machine to figure out what that could look like. Um, so, and then by, I would say by, I don't know, June, that summer, you know, eight, six, seven months later, I had something going. It was being shared by other SLPs. It was being shared by um, parents and parent groups. Things were starting to, to move, right? And I think when I realized that I had people in my audience who were both new parents, parents of babies, parents of toddlers, and also many professionals working with families with infants and toddlers, feeling number one, who who were sharing it potentially with their clients as a, as another resource and also using it for themselves. If they were like an SLP with a new baby, like those were the people I heard from the most, the people who are like, this is gold. This content is really important to me. And it's really helping me validate and know what I already know, but it, it's so helpful to hear somebody else saying it. Right. And it's so interesting, right? When we, because we know this as, as humans, right? You can hear the same message again and again, but when you read it in a textbook, it hits you one way. When you hear it in a podcast, it hits you another way. When you see a quote on social media, it hits you another way. When you read a blog post about it, it hits you another way. And all of those are different voices and different people telling different stories about that same information. And you resonate with it in different times and different ways and at, at a different moment, right? Because you can ingest it differently depending yeah. on the moment. Right. I mean, I, I know for myself, like I either have to learn the same lesson over and over again. And I also think different seasons of life, you, you know, yes. your information about interacting, like, you know, objectively, I understand Yeah, I understand how you should interact with a, with a baby or an infant, right. but I'm sure, sure like you know, when that day comes that I have one, I'm probably going to, I like, I'm probably going to be like, wait, hold on. Where's Ayala's podcast? I need this for a second. Um, so you were originally doing learn with the less and was it always learn with less? Is that kind of what you always, it wasn't, it I had not, I had not come up with those words specifically until, um, I would say 2000, late 2018, early 2019. In the beginning, it was called strength in words, which is still what my company is called, what my, um, what my private practice is called strength in words. Right. Which for me, it was great. It was like a play on I'm from the Bay area. So the warriors, whoop, whoop. um, so, you know, their whole thing is strength in numbers is their like, you know, that's their logo and their, their thing. But as a speech pathologist, I was thinking, you know, this is, obviously there is a lot of strength in the words that we use and in communication. And I, I felt like it was like an homage to that and, and all of those things. But, um, but over time, it, as I continued to develop a specific, you know, philosophy and brand, it didn't, it didn't quite say in that like soundbite way, like what, what I did and what my, my brand stood for and what I was doing in the world. Um, and so I just sort of, 
over time, it, it, what was impactful to other people about what I was sharing became much more clear to me, which happens right in business. Um, as you go along, you realize what, what is the thing that's actually resonating for people? What is the thing that, that actually, that as like the, at the core of what you stand for and what your values are and what you're doing and what you're sharing and what makes you different and what makes you interesting. Um, and that was really what it came down to is that, you know, I could say like, oh yeah, well, you know, I share like really nice, you know, developmental ideas and information for parents with infants and toddlers. And like, that's fun. But, and then I also like, I show them how to do it really simply and with like, you know, like everyday items and everyday routines and blah, 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 blah right? Like that's like a lot of words. Yeah. Nobody wants, nobody's there for that, right? No. Like nobody wants to hear that. So um, I honestly, I am trying to remember how it even came out of me, but it was just, it was like, bleh. it was, it happened one day and I was like, we, I just tell people like learn with less. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. That's it. That that's that's Catchy. what I do, and the and the alliteration and the blah. You know, it was like, oh my god, that's it. You know, so that was. And then when that happened, <laughs> I realized that that was what brought it all together. You know, and and then I rebranded the podcast. Was if you search for the Strength in Words podcast, it will come up because you know, the podcast was rebranded as Learn With Less. But if you listen to all of my early, you know, probably the first 45 or 50 episodes, it's, you know, welcome to Strength in Words. And you're like, mm -hmm. wait, what? Um, but, you know, that's another lesson, I feel like, you know, it's so important. Like you can, you, yes, of course, start as you mean to go on, but also nothing is set in stone. Like you can continue to experiment and find playfulness in what you're doing throughout and there's no there are no rules <laughs> you are the rule maker right of your own business I'm like that's so important yeah and scary it's also scary yeah 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 <laughs> well and I think so to everyone out there who's like and I, I hear this a lot especially with SLPs wanting to start their private practice um because I on this podcast I I talk about private practice a good bit and I have a lot of private practitioners on they're like, it's the name, like figuring out a name right. for the private practice is yeah. always like the like, start. like, it's oh my gosh, so I don't know what many to do. people. Yeah, it stops so, so it, many people in their tracks. Yes. Just call it your own name. It doesn't matter. You just got to do it. So if you got, if any of you out there are like struggling with a name for something or whatever it is, listen to, <laughs> to listen to Ayana. Yeah, <laughs> because she's speech. Speech and language with Janice. It doesn't yeah. matter, right? Like, right. And you can change it and you can adapt. Like, I think there's that weird balance. Teresa, every every time, okay, so Teresa Richards, when I interviewed her on this podcast, I used the word balance. And I think it was the first time anyone ever cursed on my podcast. Um, and she said basically <laughs> like balance, balance is BS, but she said the full word. Yeah. So now every time I say it's a balance, I think of Teresa Richards. <laughs> telling me like Danny no but I'm gonna say it anyway sorry Teresa um it's that weird balance between like 
Yes, you you need to begin with the end in mind, like, you know, some Stephen Covey stuff. Like, we want to begin with the end in mind. We don't just want to be like, blah, blah. like, you do want to have like some kind of some sort of plan, you know, but also recognize that like, it's it's a very fluid thing, it, you know, a business or an idea. It's, it's not this like set in stone thing that's going to stay that way. Um, and a lot of times it's fluid. You, you have to be fluid in order even to stay relevant, honestly. I mean, I think if this pandemic has taught us anything, if I hear the word pivot one more time, aside from that amazingly hilarious episode of Friends when they were moving to the couch, um, <laughs> I think that's just such a great, a great thing for all of us to understand. Because I know there's a lot of SLPs out there, or even if you're an OT or PT, whoever you are, we're probably thinking about starting a side hustle or starting a business or whatever it is. And just recognize, I mean, if you started, you started your podcast in 2016, I mean, it's 2021, like this is five years in the May, like this is five years. Like you, you were what, like two or three years in when you decided to change your name? Yeah. Yeah. And like, you just did it right. Like, yeah, yeah, you just do it. Just change the labels. It's fine. It was time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just make it happen. So your original audience was caregivers, parents, but now, and that, and I know that's, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of like what, what strength in words was really geared towards even learn with less, but when did you start morphing learn with less, not only into like you serving parents, but you serving speech language pathologists as well, because you provide and give us a little bit of detail on that um, for the listeners who may or may not be familiar with your, with with your brand, um, certifying and training other SLPs. Yes. So, um, I had released two best-selling books in 2018 and 2019 and, oh yeah. And once, once that had all gone down, um, and once that was sort of all in the world, I, I sort of looked up and realized like, oh, I get it. I get, I get what's going on here. (laughs) Like, because all that time I had been segmenting my audience. I knew who I had in my audience. I knew that I had pretty much, pretty much a third were families with infants. A third were families of toddlers, a few in between who had multiple young children. And then also at least a third who were um, professionals working with infants and toddlers. So whether they were speech language pathologists, early childhood educators, occupational therapists, physical therapists, social workers, you know, marriage and family therapists, all those amazing professionals who support both infants and toddlers and the grownups who, who care for them. um, I knew that there were many people like that. And so I was always trying to figure out like, what, how can I serve them? Cause I had these books, I had some parenting programs, right? I had these classes that I was leading both in person and online. And, but I knew that there was a bigger role for, for my professionals to play. And once I released that second book, I could see it. Finally, I could see like, this is way bigger than me. What was the second Wait, book? Like, so was there... the first, yeah. So the first book was Understanding Your Baby, 
And the second book was Understanding Your Toddler. So the, together they are development and activity guides for playing with your baby and toddler from birth to three years. Okay. And they really like, they are the sort of DIY version for families uh, without the like community support piece, without the like, let's be together, you know, figure it out together piece. They're the information that came out of the classes. So, and I knew I had lots of parents and caregivers and also professionals having them in their libraries, sharing them with families, you know, all those things. I even have, you know, uh, professors, like my former, one of my former professors at my speech pathology practice, or sorry, program was like having, it was on her syllabus, right? Like all of her students were reading these books because it was part of her like intro to language development class, right? So I knew that there were a lot of things going on, but finally, when, once the two books were out, I could see the full picture and I could say it, I could like say it out loud finally, right? Cause it does, it takes time to grow and to be able to say out loud those big scary dreams that you have for yourself. And I realized that like that, that is what I wanted to build. I did want to build the ability for in those early years when I was living in London, I was like, I want to make this bigger. I don't want to, this to just be me sitting in a room with families. Like that's amazing. And I love it. And I never want to stop doing it. And also this is resonating with families from all over the world, from all different walks of life. From, from with people who have, you know, access to familial support and have none, from people who, quote unquote, have all of the things and, quote unquote, have nothing, right? Um, it was, it was, it's, it's what, it's, it's beyond like a parenting philosophy. It's just about understanding, like, how can you use what you already have? How can you use the bandwidth that you already have? How can you see what's available to you? And it doesn't have to go within or outside of any specific culture or, uh, or parenting philosophy, right? We can do this and also be culturally responsive to whatever your family is doing, whatever your, the language or languages that you speak and you're you know, exposing your child to are, um, like that, you know, that's always been the case. So, um, and I also knew that like, I'm not, I'm not the person, I'm not the right person to serve every community and every child and every family. And so how can I give, like create a, a, the opportunity to make a exponential impact with what I know is resonating and what I know is evidence-based because it's literally based on developmental research. And um, what I know resonates with families all over the world. So I started in, it was January of 2020. <laughs> um, oh, you like to talk about that. Oh, when I will. start in 2020, in January 2020? Lic our licensing and certification program. <laughs> okay, talk so about that. So I was starting to, I had a wonderful beta group, initial group of seven uh, speech language pathologists, early childhood educators, lots of different kinds of people. And they were taking this course that I was, you know, I, I had created and was creating alongside them and making sure that I was answering all their questions and 
and creating everything that they needed. And then the pandemic hit two months in, a month, two months in. And I was like, oh, I guess, I guess I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna teach you how to do online classes, <laughs> which luckily I've been doing since 2017. So it's not a problem. So you were mentoring. So that's how you, yes. you know, I'm going to be Ross pivot. Yep. That little Ross, Ross and Rachel from friends. So you were originally in January, 2020, when you started the mentorship with other professionals, mm-hmm. you were like doing more, like, how do you do therapy? No, it and was then- how, so yeah. So sorry, let me be clear. So basically what I would, I had, I had created this entire curriculum of like, uh, lesson plans, caregiver handouts, um, the learn with less infant and toddler curriculum, which was, you know, a lesson plan for how to, um, share information about either cognitive development, communication development, motor sensory development, social and emotional development. There's a set of curriculum for infants and a set of curriculum for toddlers. So all kinds of resources that a person who's a speech language pathologist, an OT, a PT, an MSW, whatever, could grab hold of, go through a, a whole you know course of information that is like all of those things that you need to know, like how what is the learn with less philosophy? How do I you know uh, get families to engage in a class, for instance? Um, of like a caregiver and child class. How do I, um, you know, feel like bust, burst through imposter syndrome and like learn to facilitate and be the facilitator of a group of parents, even if I'm not a parent, for instance. How do I be, make sure that I am serving families responsibly and um, with an understanding about my own social identities and with a like an understanding about cultural and and um every like inclusive contexts right how do i um market myself how do i figure out all the logistics right so all of those pieces those six modules are the learn with less facilitator training program and they then once they go through that program and it you know, should, should that be something that you want to do? You go through that program, then you lead a demo class. Um, that's either an infant class or a toddler class, um, for caregivers and babies or caregivers and toddlers in your community or online. And then you become certified and we, we provide ongoing support, coaching, um, a whole professional community around all of that, around utilizing the curriculum and making sure that you're, you know, doing it in accordance with the guidelines and also creating, providing support around, um, around how to do that and how to be successful with it. Should you be, for instance, just like on maternity leave, for instance, or, um, a person who is just starting their own private practice or who has a, their entire private practice going and wants to add in this other dimension of it. So that is what the, our, the program that, that I offer does. So we, we have a, a license, we license those materials. So you have this plug and play um, curriculum to utilize. And then also you're certified to continue to do that. 
um, within, within our structure. And that's that, that is cool. So you're essentially, you're, you're basically someone can start a whole like other income stream with whatever using this. And it sounds like you even give like like marketing and business support to people who have been trained. That is cool. That's kind of like, that's kind of like empowering. Like it's like empowering SLPs to, to go do their own thing. Cause like, is that how it works? Like, are they, obviously it's like within the curriculum and whatnot, but like they can go and teach classes and they can Mm -hmm. like do it and blah, blah, blah. Yep, exactly. So we have some, some people who started while they had a full-time job or have a full-time job, um, you know, at a, at a practice or at a school or whatever, um, who always wanted to, who love early intervention and love doing this kind of stuff and want to do it on the side. Um, people who were curious about private practice, but didn't really know whether they had the tools, but this really looked like a really fun way to get out of their nine to five and, um, start something of their own. Many, many people have come into it and said, like, even if I never even led a learn with less class, like I have so many tools now to be able to offer everything, like anything that I wanted to create. Now I know what to do, how to do that. And so we, we create this, you know, this community of support and, um, and a whole infrastructure around, you know, helping SLPs, OTs, all the people um, to create what they've, to, to lead those big, scary dreams and lead that and not have to reinvent the wheel, not have to do the five years of developing a curriculum of figuring all of the things out on their own, like I've done. Um, and now having this really robust and very giving very kind, generous community of other professionals who are all speaking the same language, all creating stuff and all really have the same philosophy of like routines-based intervention, parent coaching, serving families with less, right? Using less with, with, and, and, you know, some of the, it's so interesting, Danny, because some of the other like kinds of things that people have, have reported as like, I, I have totally cut down on my own stuff that I bring to therapy, right? Like, because of like the learn with less philosophy of like just utilizing what a family already has, this has helped me to, you know, really, it's changed my whole approach to therapy and allowed me to be more of that parent coaching facilitator that I've always wanted to be able to be within the context of my therapy practice. And that's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's like the goal isn't necessarily to teach. A, if you're not teaching a therapy approach specifically, right. no. you're teaching them how to be facilitators for this curriculum. But through that, they learn principles and like learn. I mean, through being a facilitator, facilitator. Good. I swear, I need speech therapy. I do. You don't. You're just fine. I do. Okay. Um. But. Uh, through being a facilitator, learning like, I mean, but that's part of being the facilitator. Like you're learning how to interact with the parent and explain things in a parent-friendly way, which I think can can sometimes be very, can sometimes be difficult for 
us, especially like when you're going into someone's home, which that is most of early intervention. I mean, that's what the evidence says works is like parent coaching in a community setting, like out in their environment. So you've built this thing and it sounds like the pandemic didn't, it, you kind of had to pivot a little bit, but the pandemic, what's great about your business model is that it can be offered in person and it can be offered online. That's right. Um, and parents and caregivers have been craving interaction, right? Nope. I, I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old myself. It's been a rough couple of years. Um, and it's, I mean, for all of the families who've had babies during a pandemic, like this has been a very difficult time. And how, I mean, early parenthood is isolating in general, but now, <laughs> But, um, you know, the, the beauty of it is that we, what we have to create and what we can all offer as SLPs, because this is not just the learn with less show, right? This is, this is about like all of what we can all do to create and promote understanding through, through what we already have, right? Is that you, you can utilize and you can share with families what, what they can use that they already have, what they can offer and, and then bring them together. I mean, that's the, that's the core piece of what we do is we, we create community. Um, and that, that is huge, right? Because whether or not you have a child who is you know, is, is developing along a quote unquote typical trajectory or whether they are experiencing delays or, you know, totally different kinds of, you know, difficult, issues within the first few months and years of, of their lives, um, we, we all need support and we all need someone to help us understand what, um, what we can do. And the parents and caregivers themselves need that support. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's sort of utilizing what you already know um, and applying it in a more holistic way outside of the therapy context and outside of all of the red tape that tends to happen and all of the systems that we know are in place that don't really work for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we also, of course, teach how to like do things like partnering with other local organizations so that you can serve all kinds of, you know, parts of your own community and ensuring that you are the right person to serve that part of the community, for instance. So when I like this, that it's another way, and I always love having individuals on who can kind of show like, cause I think a lot of people that I get DMS from uh, people that may be in this audience, there's this, just like you mentioned, like there's a, this frustration with like the red tape or frustration with the system yes. and like, yeah. okay, well, I guess like I'm in it. So I got to just learn how to work with it. But there's actually a lot of creative ways for you to use your SLP skills to help family, like to do the things that you want to do, to do the things that like get you, you know, up and going in the morning that aren't necessarily like in that traditional way. And then also ways that you can do that um, and create and make a good living for yourself. It's not like yeah. you have to be this, like, I mean, I'm over the martyrdom thing. Like I'm not oh, trying yeah. to, you know, like do that. So tell us a little bit, I mean, you've, you've been doing this for a few years now, you know, can you talk a little bit about like your knowledge, your time, your energy? Cause I mean, you have two kids 
And I mean, pretty small kids. I mean, you know, seven's a little bit older, but I mean, that's like, to me, that's like, he just became not a small kid, yeah. honestly. Right. Um, yeah. I know. Like how, and then just like understanding your, like where your time goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just, I mean, like even managing like income streams. I know that you have private clients that you see. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, my work week, I, I manage most of my work is in the mornings. So we have a babysitter who comes in, um, 8am to 12, um, Monday through Friday. And that is when I get everything done pretty much. (laughs) So I have always had a short and sweet and packed couple of hours. And that is when I see clients, I meet with my learn with less clients. That's when I often will do classes. Um, when I do all of the, you know, batching of content and content creation and podcast production and all of that good stuff, it all happens in, what is that? Four hours? Yeah. Um, I think it's four hours. That's in the, in four 20, hours. 20 hours a week, um, is what, is what happens. And that, it does and end up seeping out, right? And the, you know, there are little things that happen outside of those moments, but I have done my best to um, automate a lot of things so that I don't have to think about as much on those off hours when I'm not sitting in front of my computer. I can just be present with my family. What are some of the things, if you don't mind telling us, like, what are some things that you've automated that you found has really helped like save you time and energy in your business? Yeah. Um, email, um, obviously is a huge thing. So just getting people into, um, what I do and getting people familiar with what I have and what I have, what I have to offer. So whether it's, um, you know, sharing with people some kind of free, um, training or, um, helpful document, and then sending them a series of, you know, information that is pertinent to what they've learned within that, um, information, um, that can be automated. Um, obviously all of the, what else, um, any, I mean, I definitely batch content, um, and I, I do a lot of copying and pasting of, of, um, things when I am like reaching out to people to come onto my podcast or, um, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but a, I will also say that a lot of it is super high touch too, because that's the kind of brand that I have. I, I, you know, it's a really interesting mix of, automated information um and and systems and processes as well as like you are talking to me like we are having a conversation in the dms like that is that is happening right now and also like the way i serve my clients is i am you know very consistently in in our group and in our community and answering questions and um stuff like that but you know making sure that Another thing is like having pre sub having people pre-submit questions that I can answer in a batch um, on on a call, right? So that it's not just a constant barrage, but it's 
it's, we all get together in community and we talk about this and we do it together and we share information about what's working for us and what's not working for us and what this person has done. And, oh my gosh, have you seen in the, in our group, like what that person shared mm -hmm. recently? Like it's some, you know, so those kinds of things. Um, yeah. I mean, I think really just systematizing things, which I'm not naturally good at. Like I have had to learn how to do that as opposed to many of those in our field who are that type A finders, color coded things. That's not me. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I, I'm always like, Oh, that would be really cool. I wish I could do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> or but stick it's not, to it. and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so a lot of it is like reaching out and figuring, you know, again, like educating myself about like, what is how to create a system that works for me, um, mm -hmm. and finding the, you know, different like project management software that's built for my brain, right? Like I would love to use things like Asana or stuff like that, but like, which is like a project management tool, but I never felt like I could get my head around it. So I use something called Notion, for instance, which is an amazing workspace that I can create everything I want. And then later I can connect it to where it needs to go. Right. So stuff like that is just like, you have to just work with, figure out what works for you. Um, and it's a lot of experimenting with different kinds of systems that, that might work for you. And then processizing a systematizing and processizing like and productizing some kind of thing that you offer. Right. Right. So when I, I also want to highlight like that you, and I think this is something that, and I've, I've felt myself falling into this trap, like, and I'm still, I'm still learning as well. Cause Absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm only about a year and a half in, uh, but this idea that like you've built your business around your life, you haven't built your life around your business. Like I just want to highlight, like, she just said that you work, I, mean, I know you will work outside of eight to 12. I'm not saying you never, never do, but yeah. like the fact that that is what, this is when the babysitter comes. This yep. is when, you know, this is my time. Um, all my full attention is going to be on my business, my work, blah, blah, blah. And then when this is over, you know, unless there's like some stuff going on, then, you know, that is my time to spend with my kids. That is the time to spend with my family. And I think that is, I think that's what a lot of people want. And I, but I think it's really easy when you start a, any business, whether it's a private practice or an online business or whatever it is. Like if you start, I don't know, you start selling peanuts at your garage, whatever. It, it's really easy to fall into this trap of like work, 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 because there's always something to do. There's always an Instagram post you can make. There's, there's always something, there's always something. <laughs> and, uh, but like how did you keep that her okay for you guys that are not on that are not on video one of her kiddos is maybe in the background <laughs> um, okay. i love it uh, <laughs> so, um, so good speaking of like uh, important family yeah. how did you but seriously like, how did you do that like how did you keep so focused and not like work it because I'm the type of person I can work myself to death I have to yeah. consciously tell myself like you need to relax like you need to just like turn off like stop trying to come up with new ideas stop creating content yeah stop just stop <laughs> like how do you do it 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it literally was out of necessity. Like I did not have, I, I mean, I started this business when my oldest was born <laughs> and then started an online business when I was pregnant with my second. So this has all happened around my kids and around my family. So that's just how it's always been. Um, so I didn't really, I don't really feel like I had a choice you know, <laughs> in the matter, um, but I do think you know, I mean, I've certainly, I certainly had to figure out what worked best for me as far as when was, when were my best working hours, right? Mm -hmm. um, like for a while in the very beginning, when my youngest was in his first year of life, I feel like I, you know, I could, I just took whatever I could get as far as childcare. Sometimes it was a grandparent Sometimes it was like we had for a couple of, for a few months, we had a fantastic babysitter who was able to give me like a full day, two days a week. And that actually ended up not being great for me. Like that, I couldn't, that was not, I couldn't work that way. That was, mm. I, I needed short, like a short amount of time on different days because I knew that my brain would come up with different things and I could attend to different things on different days. And if I didn't have a little bit of every day, I would feel, I would feel more like what you said, like, um, oh God, I can't, I can't turn it off. So me having a little bit, and it's not, I mean, to me, it feels like at this point, it's like, I just have it down to a science. I know exactly what I'm doing in all of those hours, right? <laughs> Um, and if I didn't have a portion of each day, it would be much harder for me to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I also recognize and acknowledge that that's a privilege in and of itself. You know, that is a luxury that I was able to do that and have that and, and create this around that. Um, and I, I just want to name that out loud. Right. And, um, and I also like, I, you know, it's taken a long time for me because so much of it was wanting to create something that I was not, that I was creating something that was value-based and that was, you know, going to be, going to speak to what I wanted to, to create and the philosophy that I wanted to give to like create in the world and I was never going to be a person that was gonna like have sponsorships for my podcast from like a toy subscription company like that wouldn't work <laughs> because that's not what my brand stands for and I will tell you I have been approached by those people and I'm like yeah do you know what I do no it doesn't work so um you know so so I've I have very intentionally created a brand, a brand around my values and around, um, you know, what, what I wanted to, it to stand for. Otherwise it wouldn't have been worth my time for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just think that's awesome. And just like, I feel like, did you always have a really good solid understanding that your time was super valuable or is that something you had to learn? Um, I think I did partially because 
you know, academically in college, I really had to manage my time. Well, I was very into, you know, different, like I always did a lot of academic, like hard academic stuff and also like heavy duty extracurricular, like theaters. Right. Mm. So, which was like a lot of time management and figuring out when my brain was going to work well and when I could do the work that I needed to do. And sometimes it was leaving it off until the end when I had, you know, five hours and that was it. Um, but just, just as far as like all through my, my own like life and career, I've, I've definitely had to balance and figure out and manage my time in a way that I was both paying my bills and also, um, taking care of my mental health in a way that was mm -hmm. at least somewhat functional. Right. Okay. I have one kind of like one somewhat final question. I mean, I have our, my regular final question, but this is my last not final, final question. Do you <laughs> ever, and I feel like this is the big buzzword right now. I think, isn't the messy SLP doing her like dissertation on it or something like that? Mm -hmm. Um, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Did, have you ever, cause I, I think it's a, it's very, it's a very brave thing to be like, this is my curriculum that I created and promoting that. Like, how did you, do, do you, uh, did you ever deal with imposter syndrome? And if you did, how did you basically be like, shush it, I'm trying to do the dang thing, so goodbye. Yeah, I think for me, um, journaling helps a lot, you know, taking, and this of course is something that like we teach a lot about in my program and so much of it is what I have done for myself and also what, you know, the all of the, like I, again, like I pull my resources from the people in my community, whether that is my family, my friends, my colleagues, um, other incredible, you know, professionals and entrepreneurs that I know or respect and, and love. And um, I think for me, it's about, you know, thinking about when, when have I already proven to myself that I can do this and looking for the evidence, right? Looking for the evidence of what, what do I see around me that shows me that I can do this, that I can move forward, that I can take the small next step forward. And that, that is like the key I think too, is because when you look at like, I want to build this big, scary dream. Yeah. That's going to be freaking scary. Like how, how do you to piece that apart? But if you can take it apart and make those big goals, into smaller tasks and figure out, okay, well, what do I need to do to get this, this quarter to this part of it, right? What do I need to do to just get to this stage? What are the like six things that I can do this year or start to do this quarter or do every week that are going to move the needle and help me feel better about that? I'm breaking it down. And also I think breaking away from perfectionism and away from the idea that like you have to be the expert you have to be all knowledgeable and you have to have um you know you have to have this kind of knowledge in order to be the perfect person to serve everybody like no you, 
you're not going to be the perfect person to serve everybody, number one. And um, understanding that like that, that sense of perfectionism, that's a construct. You, like that, this, that's not, that's not you. That's not necessary. None of us is perfect. None of us is getting it right all the time. And the more that you can name that and acknowledge that, um, you know, the better off we all are. <laughs> because I mean, I think part of it is like, parenthood has certainly helped me with that. Because like, you know, I, I want to be the best mom that I can be every single day of my life, every moment of my life. Am I going to be? No. <laughs> I'm going to yell at my kids. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to have my seven-year-old literally tell me the other day, I learned it from you. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like scene. <laughs> like, shit. <gasps> I'm gonna I'm gonna reproduce all of the horrible habits that that were modeled to me you know that are like little t traumas that are intergenerational I'm gonna do all those things because I'm human <laughs> and if I can say that out loud and acknowledge that and recognize that that's not going to stop me from doing the things in my life and in this day and in this hour that I need to get done so that I can move forward and hope that those big, scary dreams and goals that I have for myself can move towards fruition. I mean, if you asked me five years ago, if I, if I would be on this podcast, I would have laughed in your face probably. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That would be so cool. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, like, who, cause I didn't. People, like who yeah. does that? <laughs> right, but I Googled it. So <laughs> yes, yeah, so I love, I love that. And I, I wrote that down for the show notes because I really like that. Um, how like being imperfect doesn't have to stop. Well, first of all, none of us are perfect, but sometimes like having to like really like sit and marinate in the fact that we're not perfect, like really just gives some of us some hurt feels, but also going beyond that and recognizing that being imperfect doesn't, isn't going to, doesn't have to stop you from, you know, go and do the dang thing. Like being imperfect doesn't have to stop you from doing what it, whatever the heck it is that you want to do. Like, maybe you want to start a private practice. Maybe, like I said, maybe you want to sell mugs on Etsy. Like do you do you boo. Do it. Do whatever it. brings you joy. Um, but being imperfect doesn't have to keep you from doing that. And I feel like, I'm really glad that you said that because I feel like we have this false idea in the back of our head that it will keep us from doing what we want and achieving what right. we want. Right, right. Well, and like like you were talking about earlier is that like that thing that stops so many people from starting a private practice is the, like the name and the logo and the perfect website. Like, can you, do you have any idea how, how many ugly websites I have created? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I didn't know how to build a website. Who cares? <laughs> Yes. Well, and it, I think sometimes it's those things we get so caught up in them because they're so visual, but I yes. think people forget about like, and about this idea, especially like we were talking about you, like a brand earlier, like building a brand, like, like you were the secret sauce. Like 
yes, your website, like if you want to have a nice website, like that's great. Like all this stuff is good. Like, yeah, like have a, like, a cute logo is great. But like when whatever, whatever you're trying to do, you're, whatever, if you're trying to, like I said, make an Etsy store or start a private practice or, you know, create materials for their SLP, like SLPs, yeah. like people care about, like people want to hear people, are, they're not buying, a lot of times they're not buying your product, they're yeah. buying from your brand. Yes. You're, you are not the only person out there, Ayala, that's teaching early childhood yeah. peeps how to do, how to do, how to help parents teach mm -hmm. their kids, but nobody's doing it nobody's doing it the way that you're doing it. And that's what makes you stand out from other people. Like mm -hmm. same thing. Like there's a million people selling freaking TPT st uh, stuff on the TPT yeah. store. Well, nobody's selling your stuff on the TPT. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. But, and what is that? I mean, there is a quote, what is it? Like people don't buy, what is it about people buying, people don't buy from brand, People don't, oh my God, now I'm totally, is it, they don't buy from logos. They buy from, yeah, people. they don't, right. Like something about like, people don't buy from, from the brand or the company. They buy from people. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's, that's it. Like you, you, if you can infuse what you and your brand stand for with your values, that is huge. That is everything. Yeah. And if, and it's all about building trust and creating, creating systems that, that, you know, are responsive to the people and the experience that you want people to have with your brand and with you. Yeah. Cause yeah. again, like you, like, yeah, it comes down to like, yeah, you can have a beautiful logo, but how are you going to pay for that logo? If you're not selling your coffee mugs or whatever it is, you know, yeah, or baseball Who hats cares? Or yeah. scars or nose plugs. I don't know what's in these days. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And I mean, branding, like that's a conversation we'll have to have you on yeah. podcast too, but I want to, I want to make sure that I'm respectful of your time. Um, so I, uh, tell us before I let you go, tell us like one final piece, like, what would you like to, you know, if, if anyone, if anyone listening, if you remember one thing from this conversation today, what is the one thing that you want them to remember? I think, you know, honestly, there's a big piece. I think we've touched on this a lot, but just to say it out loud, like you are the best you that there is like to serve your audience and to serve what you want to do. You know, there's so many content creators out there. It is really hard not to have that imposter syndrome. Right. But you have to remember that no one has that same voice as you. Nobody has the same perspective as you no one has the same lived experience as you um you are going to be the best pe person for for other people out there and when we're learning something new again like we do need to hear that same information shared through different lenses and your lens is totally valid and valued by the person who needs to hear it in the way that you're presenting it so yes and i think as long as you are brave enough and have have this is mostly women listening to the show so as long as you're brave enough and have the lady nads to actually like put yourself out there and be you like I think that's part of that authenticity is really important um in whatever it is that you're doing I mean I think especially nowadays people can smell fake like pu a mile away um yeah. 
So if you are brave, if you are brave enough and have the courage enough to put yourself out there and just be you and no, no matter, no matter what it is, I feel like as long as you're just being authentic, that's, I think that's, that goes a really, really, really long way as well. I love that. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. This was so many good, good goodies. I was like typing away from my show notes um, <laughs> as we were talking. This is fabulous, but thank you so much, Ayelet. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and everybody go follow her on Instagram. It's at learn with less, right? And then all of her website and all that information is down in the, is down in the show notes in the description. Also her books and definitely go check out her program. I'm kind of like, I need to save up, save up for it. I really, I love it. See, I'm doing too many projects. I can't do, I, can't, I gotta call myself, but now I'm like, we'll be here. We'll be here. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We'll be waiting okay. for you, Danny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> love it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to hear more no fluff, getting the dang thing done stuff for myself and other real life SLPs, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com slash speedgoods. If you found this content valuable, please share it with others so we can get this message out there. And if you haven't already, join us on Instagram. Handle is at speedgoods. See you there.